0: Welcome to Sunday Chat 969, the podcast where you can listen back to interviews that were first broadcast on All FM 96.9. We are an award-winning community radio station based in South Manchester, and on today's episode my special guest is the fantastic actor Kenton Craig, and we are chatting to him today ahead of his performance with the Contact Theatre in 14% here in Manchester. And well, seeing as yesterday was National Cinema Day, I thought, what better time than to chat to a brand new actor? So coming up on today's show, my special guest is the fantastic Kenton Craig. He hails from Blackpool. He's just done some acting for The Contact Theater here in Manchester, and he's currently working on some brand new plays, which we're actually hoping to perform on this show. So very exciting. So I thought I'd introduce you to kenton today and play some of his favorite music as well so let's start off with a bit of queen and david bowie and under pressure
1: that
2: flesh and soul.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Ruth.
3: Nice to be here. Thank you.
0: Uh, It's really good to speak to you. We've got you on today ahead of some radio plays that we're hoping to to broadcast in in a few weeks that you're currently writing and I think maybe performing in as well. So so I just wanted to introduce the, the listeners to you because... I just think that you've got a really inspiring story of how this whole second career as as an actor and an audiobook narrator has has really started to kick off for you. So you're actually from a military background, aren't you, Kenton?
3: yeah well, i i uh, my first job actually was working for national westminster bank in flutes in lancashire and then after a few short years of that as a young man i decided that the game the banking game was not for me so i had always had an ambition to join the, the royal navy so i ended up in the royal navy for eight years yeah
0: oh wow and then that continued on to a career with the police force yes that's
3: right yeah so um uh, I met my now wife um, whilst I was in the Navy um, and decided it, you know, we were going to have a family and I'd seen friends and colleagues that uh, had families whilst being in the, in the Navy, being away from home for such a long period. was not conducive to having a family at home. Uh, so I decided it was time to leave. And right. it was another ambition of mine to follow my father's and mother's footsteps because they were both police officers um, back oh, in the wow. day and, and, and I, I decided to, to, to at least try and join the police and, and I did get accepted there during my in Stubbery, back in it, 1998 or something like
0: like that, yeah. Gosh, I guess that a military background gave you a very good footing into the the, the police force. You I I guess you kinda of like well prepared for it in, in a sense.
3: Yeah, that sort of um, back then there was um quite a lot of the intake in the police had at least some military ex military in. Um, mm. I think it's I think it's changed a little bit these days. Um because back in our day, you didn't need any qualifications. You just needed to be relatively fit, uh, re- re- relatively healthy, and have a you know a good head on your shoulders, and be able to to make decent, uh, sound decisions based on common sense. Now, now I think they have to have degrees and all sorts. So. Um, maybe a different, uh, a, a different calibre of people join nowadays.
0: Ah, oh, you, you um, got it in just in time, I suppose, because it, it feels to me like you, you're, you're chasing experience after experience, so, so you've put all, all that um, behind you, so to speak, now. But you talk about the way that you'd had an ambition to be in the Navy and, and to be um, within the police force, but did you actually have a, an ambition deep down to be an actor or a writer has that come about quite organically because you don't really associate someone from the military in the acting world not not really
3: i know what you're saying um i was actually listening to the radio this morning um not your channel sorry radio (laughs) four. I'm an interviewing uh, who we all know as Andy McNabb, who was obviously in the SAS. Oh and yeah. Not his real, not his real name. Um, and he was pretty similar in, in so much as that he, he had no plans whatsoever to do anything like writing, and now he's obviously a very successful uh, writer of adventure novels and what have
1: you.
3: But for me, for me, it was um, friends will tell you that that i was always going to be a performer of one sort or another okay um, I played, I played musical instruments as a, as a child and as a teenager i used to have a little saturday job playing the electric the modern electric organ as you used to call it um in oh, a restaurant wow. and, and doing that uh, i was taught um the organ by any list any listeners that know um, sort of old fashioned organist in Blackpool. Raymond Warbank used to play the the organ on the end of North Pier. On the pier, he,
1: yeah.
3: Yeah. I he's, get what he's, um, yeah. He taught me to play the organ, and you know I was heading down that line. And then when I joined the navy, and then left all that behind, and and got a proper job, and and worked on. But coming back to your question, I suppose. Eh, I never really thought i would be a performer or an actor or a writer um mm. I, I suppose having a family young children you just knuckle down and you know, do work to bring money in to pay the bills and to support your family and all of that boring stuff really <laughs> and then when when my kids grew up and, and left home and i was getting to the end of my policing career um i had that sort of moment in time where I decided it was time to you know Yeah what's ne- what's next in life? It do I just rejoin the police service as a civilian support officer I like roll uh, and work Monday to Friday night five and go home at the end of the day thinking, you know, and then look back on life and think, you know, did you take all the opportunities you had or, or did you just do what you, you know what
0: in your okay, comfort zone.
3: Yeah. yeah, exactly. I suppose I've always been someone who would try and reach outside of zone uh, when it was safe to do so, just to, just to get the experiences and have a bit of excitement in you know, life, I suppose. And, sure. And then uh, someone would have to lift them out of the edge of the um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I. What what I think is like from the the background and all that experience that that you had, you will have come across many different characters and they always talk about in terms of writing, write about your life, write about what you know. So I think that maybe in some respects, becoming an actor now, it's actually more enriching. You've got more to portray, to perform, to to express. Do, Do you feel a little bit like that about it?
3: Yes, I I suppose I do. Um, Some might say I've been acting for a long time as a police officer, which in some respects you do, because you have to act, you're brave, and you're not scared, and you're put into situations where clearly any any normal human being would be petrified Mm -hmm. um, in the the face of danger or in the face of really horrible things that you see and deal with. And... um, You have to pretend for the benefit of the victims or the witnesses or the members of the public that you're in charge and you're in control.
1: Oh,
2: yes, I'm the great pretender the crown
3: most people are really panicking and and finding it really difficult. Um, Sure. Reminds me of
0: um, that that line from Shakespeare, all the world's a stage and the men and women merely players, because we are, we've all got like hundreds of different roles, um, really. But it was actually your your daughter that got you into uh, amateur dramatics in in this instance, wasn't it? It was indeed, yeah,
3: Lauren, she's... um, we actually lived on the Isles of Scilly because um, I, I really like um, after a few years I decided to go to the South West to a transfer of the Devon Cornwall police um, which is where I spent most of my career um, and the Isles of Scilly are an archipelago of islands um, about 30 miles into the Atlantic Ocean off Cornwall mm. um, so we spent a couple of years there and um, they had a very thriving community it was, it's like a, a really imagine heartbeat the, the, the,
1: oh the yeah
3: but it was kind of like that but less less phonetic um so everybody knew everybody else anyway they, they had a, a little theater group on the island which my daughter joined just so she could have a go uh at one of the hobbies that she took up through we were there and she fell in love with the performing side and going on stage she fell in love with herself and it sort of over the over a period of two or three years um, when we moved back to the mainland, um, she joined the local Consumer Society in Devon and uh, did that. And I just sort of decided again that uh, I was quite fuzzy how There go, another experience, never really been on stage uh, okay. before. Um, she wouldn't let me come to start with it. She said, Yes, I'll you but just don't, just don't talk to anyone. There. Oh, I'm okay. There. So it's like a bit yeah, of embarrassment,
0: maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: when they discovered I could sing a bit and uh, act a bit, uh, the kids around my daughter thought, oh, your dad's all right. So I was allowed to speak to her for that. Well, wow. yeah.
0: what I felt really intriguing um, about this as well is I believe that your, your first role was actually in Sleeping Beauty and, and you were cast as Fairy Beautiful. I don't know what your military crowd or police force sort of thought about that. But I mean, how difficult was that for you to step into that role? Or did you embrace how, how different that was to, to your life before?
3: Yes, certainly, and, and actually somebody, some kind of spark managed to, uh, in the police, managed to find a photo of me, um, dressed oh. as the photo. very beautiful. <laughs> and it ended up on, bearing in mind I was, I was an inspector, so I had some level of responsibility and supposedly second a good example to, all, to everybody else, and, uh, this picture. Oh, gosh. And you up on a notice board in the main police station. But, oh, uh, it had to
0: happen, it was, didn't
3: it? <laughs> it was all taken in good, in, in good, uh, good spirits. But, um, yeah, I just threw myself into it because I thought, well, you know, you can't look any more stupid than you do now. So you just have to go for it. Because um, mm. I was dressed all in pink pants, pink, <laughs> pink, pink tights, pink everything.
0: Wow. <laughs> so and did you have was, to sing as well?
3: Yeah, yeah, we had to, we had to stay, in did do it on that particular production, I have not got any, um, it was just a very small role, just sort of toe in the water, uh, yeah. sort of role, but yeah, we, used to, we had to sing uh, full company numbers at the start and the end and part way through, um, and it was just joy, good fun, and I would recommend to anybody out there, if they don't want to be a, a professional performer, that's fine, but if yeah. you ever had the chance of, of getting involved in a local theatre company or um, or a, a pantomime particularly it's it's enormous awesome, fun um just the whole process and then yeah. you, you, it's definitely pushing yourself outside your comfort zone I, I can remember the first night the first performance standing at the side of the stage uh, behind the, the black curtain mm. Because we were the, the fairies were the first on the stage oh, to, do, to do the opening of the show. And I just, I was saying to myself, what on earth are you doing? What I, are you doing? I can imagine. <laughs> and then before you know it, the music struck up and we had to just step through and then you're off. And then you forget all about the nerves and you just crack on.
0: Oh wow! I was going to ask you what what was your first performance like? Because I mean, was that more terrifying than than facing the criminals and and stuff? <laughs> yes, it, was. it wasn't
3: traditional to say it, but no, it it, it definitely was. It one of the nerve wracking things I've ever faced that first time. And then over the years, it has that nerve thing has dissipated somewhat, and you get used to. You still get nervous um, because you want. But both probably for different reasons. You know, you want to have, you want to do well. You want to do the acting to the best of your ability, and uh, mm. that's why I, I get nervous now. Rather than the standing up in front of people, doesn't really bother me, but. Um,
1: well well,
0: that's brilliant you know i think it must have been a great sense of relief as well just like giving yourself the permission to to be foolish after having to act so uh, stoic and strong and and brave for so long and it feels like you you embraced that with no hesitation
3: yeah i mean the one of the other reasons i had not mentioned before um for getting involved in that was because the police um career was you know, I enjoyed my, my time, I enjoyed my career, um, I thought it was very worthwhile and rewarding. Um, but unfortunately, police officers are only ever called to deal with things that are negative. It's uh-huh. always something's gone wrong when the police uh, are called. And you, you kind of, after a certain length of time doing it, you, become quite, you can become quite cynical and you can find yourself being quite negative in all aspects of your life. Um, and unfortunately my father passed away and it was about the same time uh, and, I, and when a close relative passes away yeah. you, you inevitably will reflect on life and what you're up to and, and all of that. So it was what it was about the same time I thought you know what, my, my dad was um, such a, a thriving individual he was a performer in South and his younger days oh, like wow, a okay. um, and he always he was, he was such a positive person, um, and I thought I need to I need to embrace more of that positivity in my life to, to balance out the negativities that I you know that I had in, the, in my career, um, and and so yeah so that's, that's one of the um, one of the other reasons that I went into it to balance that positive and negative
0: side in my life. It sounds like a great way to, to remember your dad, and at least he got to, to see you um, in the police force and following in his, his footsteps. Did he have any I- idea about what you were embarking on, or was it after he passed away?
3: Um, he, he never saw me on stage, oh. um, unfortunately, he was not see me too poorly, but... He knew that, you know, he had the delight of seeing my daughter on stage, and that was, oh, you know, I remember seeing him, his face was, you know, watching his daughter on stage, so I know that he would have looked it, but um, he probably would have taken the miffy out and a bunch <laughs>
0: oh gosh well, I, I I think you know when you start off at a level like that, you know you don 't fear ridicule because that 's how you 've actually begun, so everything else is probably going to be more easy going for you um ironically but but I, I love the way the the theater and the creativity involved in in that world gave you back your your sense of positivity, and, and and so much so that you actually decided to go back to, to university as well, didn't you, to to really embrace this experience?
3: Yeah, well, I've not, I never went to university when I was a young man, I don't ever really remember many of my peers at school uh, going to university, we just sort of all left school and got a job and got on with life. Um, so when I was coming to the end of the policing career, I was deciding what to do and I thought, well, I've got this pipe dream. I love, love being on the stage and I uh, love getting involved in, in the theatre. Could I? Should I? Is it stupid? And I said, my wife supported me and I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll have a go and see what happens. And I applied through UCAS for a few different places and... Um, and and I got accepted into a couple of places um, but I chose to go to Alra in Wigan uh, okay. because it was an Academy of Live and Recording Arts because it was a, a quite prestigious drama school over the years it, it had some quite significant students, you know, successful actors and performers have gone through Alra, and I thought well, do you know what that, that, for me that was a better, a better option than going to uh, a normal university, okay. uh, and they, yeah. to me, they, they offered me a, a course on their master's degree course, uh, professional acting course. Uh, rather, I I had applied for the BA, the, the uh, Bachelor of Arts, the three year degree All right. course that they were, that they ran, but, I think
0: they probably looked at my ageing face. And, uh, <laughs> so so, so, so you, got you got might. right through, you, you speeded it ahead kind of thing. Was there any um, audition for, for that, you know, do, yeah. how does yeah. that go about uh, at, at well, your age? Do so they say why? I mean, to me, I think you need actors for, from all backgrounds and ages, surely. But I, I was just wondering, was it mainly a de- demographic of of younger people and, did that mean that you had to audition in a certain way?
3: Well, at the time because of um, Covid and lockdowns, um, as everywhere else did, um, all auditions were done online and okay. so the first thing uh, that you did was to, actually fill out your forms and your paperwork you and apply and then you submit an epic, um, your audition tape so you have to video yourself doing uh, a couple of monologues um, and send that off and then you may or may not get a call back, Um, I got a call back and then we did a live Zoom audition. So it was only me, effectively, in my dining room at home um, on camera with a couple of the staff at um, the college.
0: Ah, okay. Um, But what was uh, that like to do a monologue? Was it something that that you'd you'd done a lot of in the amateur dramatics?
3: No, no, not at all, no, so I had to take some advice and there's a lot of stuff you can find on youtube and uh, there's a lot of stuff on the internet that gives advice uh about how to approach the log but it's quite tricky because as you you've hinted at the de- the usual demographic that going to drama school is usually someone who's just come from college or at you know at least in their early 20s normally um so a lot of the monologues that are out there that, that are used um Combination of, you know, you can buy books with a combination of monologues, and, yeah. and most of them are designed for younger people. Sure. So you you have to find something that's suitable for your age and, and the sort of what, perhaps what you look like. Um, mm. Anyway, I, I did, I found, I found some monologues, and actually, I have a friend that I've met through the amateur theatre world who was a professional actor, um, and I went to her and said, Look, well, can I pay you to coach me in a bit of basic acting so that I can try my best, But my best foot forward with these, you know, these, these soft-time monologues. So oh, we spent, wow. Um, spent a few sessions going through different monologues and, uh, and then eventually settled on a couple. And usually what you do is you have a Shakespearean or a classical text monologue um, and a, mo- a more modern, contemporary piece. So oh, it's a contrast. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, recorded those and sent yeah. those in, and then delivered them again on well, a different, actually a different one on the live audition.
1: Okay. Um,
3: but then, yeah, after the audition, they came back, to so us you'd be better suited to do the master's degree course because it's essentially the same content as the BA degree, but it's done in a 15-month period rather than a... Thinking, yeah.
0: Right. Okay. Well you know what I think yeah. as well? I think that the time that you were auditioning, like during the COVID era and stuff, it was an era that lent itself very well to to the monologue for, for many reasons like self isolation. I saw lots of different people attempting monologues in different ways during that time. So so I think that you kind of you picked the, the right era in a sense to, to start doing yeah. your your monologues okay so so how did you feel about the idea of going in at the deep end so to speak was it something that you're like okay let's let's go for it
3: um it, as often in life here doubts obviously in my about what you're doing um but <laughs> ultimately you know you just have to put yourself out there if you want to achieve anything you can't sit back in your laurels it's always her life and um, so yeah so i just threw myself into it of course i was nervous on day one of course i don't know it is of course i thought i'm going to be the oldest bloke in the room and of course oh. i was um uh, but you know you get down day one you get all that nerve nervous stuff out of the way you do introductions you get to know people and invariably they're all lovely um, and over the course of 15 months on, on my course, I've made some uh, incredible friends and colleagues that were on course with me um, and, and they're all, you know, much, much younger than me. Um, I'm not the oldest person to ever have gone to farm school. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: yeah, because um,
0: that, that lady from, he used to be in the royal family, I can't think of her name. Did she, the, the granny, the nan, she, she actually started, it, quite um later on in her life i i believe so, so there are a few uh, around that, that start later aren't they yeah
3: yeah yeah so, and, and there's advantages to it and disadvantages of course the advantages i'm the only 50 year old bloke um in the room um whereas you know all the, all the rest are in their 20s and, and stuff so there is in some respects at normal school less competition for me because i i'm I'm uh, of an age that is unusual, yeah. um, but, but in the other, on the balance of that, the disadvantage, of course, is that I'm perhaps not as flexible as the twenty odd year olds. So when we're doing modules in movement and stuff like that, you you, you suddenly realise I'm 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 weird. I'm partly up with someone here who's thirty years my junior who's able to bend in those. <laughs> <in London. laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: Like as if he were very old or whatever, you don't actually look at that old kind of thing, but how do they feel about it? Were they like, oh, wow, or was it just quite normal for them? I couldn't you tell because they were so good at acting?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give you I mean, you have to ask them, um, their honest opinion, I suppose, but I always got the sense, um, and of course I've conversations uh, after a couple of days at uh, times, and, and all of them uh, you say, you know, you, you're just like another another student who, us. you're not, to take away the, you know, I didn't particularly act as anybody's dad, I don't think, or anything like that. Maybe, maybe it's not, more of an older brother status, perhaps. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we were just just students on the same course, and my age didn't have any barriers to getting on to any part of the course or doing anything with them. So it was... Um, it was, it was really good. It was delightful, actually. It was, it was such a, a refreshing environment to be in, uh, you know, surrounded yeah. by dynamic young people that are creative and, and want to do well. And, you know, they're there for the same reason I'm there, you know, to learn um, and to, to hopefully launch a professional career in, in the arts after, after the course. And that's
0: just a brilliant you know I think it's like you've really felt the fear and done it anyway twice over first performing as, as a fairy after the, the policing background and then in front of um, all, all, all these younger people and, and stuff but I was going to get on that the whole professionalism of it because I think you know it's a far cry isn't it from amateur dramatics to so actually doing a master's degree um, in, in drama and that kind of really makes you think deeply about how much you want this to be your paid career as opposed to um, just a bit of a, a hobby, because you're not really going to in, invest all that time, energy and money in, into something like this to, to not look at the viewpoints of, of launching um, a professional paid career, are you?
3: No, not, not at all. And, um, I mean, there are, there are obviously thousands and thousands of actors out there, um, and probably you know, you've only got a very small percentage of, of all those thousands of people out there that uh, are what you might deem as successful actors in inverted commas. Um, people that you would know if you're walking down the street and you would see Benedict from the Batch or something like that, you go, oh, right, he's, he's a successful actor. So you have to check, um, I think, and, and decide what your version of success looks like. Um, and I gave myself kind of a couple of checkpoints, I suppose. Um, and I had this conversation one day with one of my course colleagues. And I said, well, um, the first thing I want to do is I want to get an agent within six months of leaving college. Um, okay. And then I want to have my first professional engagement in the first year at some point. And those are my two checkpoints. And I said, I'll give myself that length of time to uh, to do those things. And if I haven't, then I probably then need to reassess where I'm going um, mm. and what I'm all to do to achieve. It. Um, Very
0: strong I, goals, I think, yes.
3: Well, I think you need to, because otherwise, you can quite easily drift um, and, and leave it you know, behind you. And then you lose the emphasis. Because part of the professional drama is part of the, the a drama, a drama school's, um, I was going to say gift to you, it's not a gift because you're paying for it. Um, but but their, the strength of the drama school is that they, their aim for you is to help you launch your professional career. Sure. And if you, I think if you miss the opportunity to start, um, it's probably quite difficult to then pick up the pieces um, later on. Um. Everybody's, you know, journey sounds cliché. is different, and mm. you know, out of these fifteen that are on my course, even now, um, eight months after graduation, not everybody's got an agent. Um, very few people within the course have actually had a professional paying, um, gig.
0: I see. Um, okay. So it
3: is a it's a it's grind, you know, I spend i spend a lot of time behind the computer at home in my little office trying to e out work trying to find professional work and it's it's not easy and someone someone said to me you have to have stamina um, yeah that's that's, just, that's not just stamina to do a. if you're lucky enough to get engaged in a professional theatre run where you're doing three months of six shows a week that obviously requires a, a type of stamina but you also need the stamina to be disciplined enough to sit down and put your computer make make phone calls, send emails, look for testing yeah. opportunities on, on the different platforms. Um, and it is a grind and you do a lot of work for no money.
0: Gosh, um, is that you being know, self-employed did... before you, you get employed oh, yeah. in a way, isn't
3: it? Yeah. It is, yeah. I mean, I've, do, I've done a self-tape this morning actually for um, a job that I've applied for. But the job is unpaid. It's a short film. Um, Okay. It's filmed somewhere in Liverpool, I think, um, next month. But it's important, if you haven't got a professional engagement, I think it's still important to still try and practise the art. Yeah. Uh, And part of that is auditioning, doing self-tapes, trying to get some time on set with someone who's probably a professional filmmaker, but in a very similar situation to me, in that, They've got no money to invest in paying wages because actors, if they're paid, an actors' wage. If you've got four or five actors in a film or short film, it soon it's up, doesn't it? Because you have to pay them a wage every day of course. for the that And if it's uh, self, you know, somebody who's, who's written the work themselves and they're filming it with some friends or whatever, it's, um, they haven't got the money. So I've, you know, you have to graft away, and it's a grind, and it's a grind, and you have to have that stamina to try and uh, to try and achieve what you want to do, which is ultimately have a sustainable career as an actor. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it is, it is, it is tough. And you know, people have spent a lot of time and effort and money to become skillful and to become an actor. Um, and sadly, some people never succeed, um, despite. All of the training, despite all of the effort that they put in. Um, sure. it, it is a hard industry to be in. Um, you know, I, I'm not successful. I, I'm not what I'm classed as, as a successful actor yet. Yes,
0: is the operative word, yes. But it is about building on on that momentum and keeping that that momentum going. And and I mean, how how different was was the course and this stage that you find yourself in now to what your actual aspirations or thoughts of it were before you took this this deep dive? I think maybe you've got a slight advantage of having the the other careers before that from, from the financial perspective. Does that take a little bit of the, the scariness off it?
3: Yeah, I, I, and again, I had this conversation with uh, family only this morning. I said that, you know, I'm in a. i am ai my other job, or one of the other jobs I that I I haven't got enough money to not work at all, so I drive a taxi on a weekend oh, uh, like then yeah. So brilliant.
0: You get lots
3: <laughs> of characters <laughs> there, you know. You get... <laughs> yeah, there's a material to, have, to be had in the sector, but um, it's a means to an end. It's not a job that I particularly like do I love it, uh, but yeah. it's, it's okay. And um, I also work, you know, as a casual theatre hand doing um, what you call get in, and get out So when visiting companies come to our local theatre in Black Boy, I've um, managed to get on the books as a casual, employee there so i get called in to do the manual lifting and shifting and that sort of stuff so i'm still working and i'm probably still working uh, 30 to 40 hours a week um doing paid work and then the acting stuff is on top of that um because i yes i i haven't i haven't got uh, you know I, i'm not i'm in a a favourable position I I suppose I would agree with what you you said in in so much as I've had a previous career I've had earnings for 35 years as a full-time uh employee of other people yeah Um, so, so I've got some stuff behind me that allows me to have the the opportunity to put myself out there as an actor yeah
0: brilliant you've actually recently performed um, a, a live show in in, um, in, in a theatre, was it in, in Blackpool? recently? Uh, yes. The, the, the yes, Black was, Dog, I think, or? No. It was
3: called, it was called uh, what was it called? It was um, Dead Dog in a Suitcase. And ah, a yeah.
0: Another, <laughs> yeah, I love that, that title, yeah. So, so that was in an actual um, established theatre. Was that your first big theatre performance then, since graduating?
3: yeah that was the first time i'd um, i'd met the so the, the theater in blackpool is called the old electric and it's uh in a, what originally was it built in a cinema and then over the course of the of decay and whatnot it, it, the, the building became quite dilapidated and the way the, the the autistic director and the the brains and the power and the, what have you behind the project was a lady called melanie whitehead uh, who uh, worked for the RSC in the National Theatre um, in her past life. Mm. And she got some funding from the Lottery to take on um, part of the building and, and create a community space and a, and a community theatre. Um, so there's all sorts goes on there. But this year, this, um, well, I think the rehearsal started at the end of last year, but then they put on this um, play. With music, I would not call it a musical. I'd call it a copy with music. But
1: okay.
3: It was, um, yeah, it was really good. Um, quite, quite good reviews. Uh, well, no, really good reviews actually. Um, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I'm sure it is quite um, backy and quite It was
0: a political, very,
3: wasn't it? Very political yeah. talking about cor- basically corruption um, in in life and society and, and those around you. Uh, so it's a it's a statement from, on on uh, on society and quite relevant for our times really. Oh
0: yeah, very um, very relatable. I, I, and you yeah. played a, a, a mayor, I believe. In that.
3: I, played the, I played the only good person in the show. Oh um, well, that was a bit of luck. <laughs> and, and Mayor, mayor Goodman, and he's shot on page seven of the script, so. Um, not to give anybody spoilers but I don't think anybody will probably go out and see this show anywhere anywhere locally. But he, he yeah, he dies quite quickly and he's about the only stand up guy in the uh, in the show. Oh great. Uh, uh,
0: so another yeah, short yeah. another short role then?
3: A short role but then as Ed Buried there so uh, you're you're not finished, you, you then take I think I played four different people in that show. Um do three being small some ensemble roles. Uh, but it's
0: I quite
3: flexible then. Yeah, you, yeah, and uh, it's actually really good fun. Multi-rolling is one of the really fun things about being in a the theatre, because you get a chance to play with different characters and different sort of physical attributes of, of different people. Um, so that, that, that was, yeah, I suppose that was my first um, gig outside of, um, after graduation. It was unpaid. Um, okay. I, you know, Great I, experience, I though. But a good experience. Uh, mm-hmm. If I could just plug uh, something that I did last week, which was um, it, it, there's a, a new play called 14%, written by um, uh, a lady called Keisha Thompson, um, who I think is an associate director and a, or an artistic director at the Contact Theatre in Manchester.
1: Okay. Um,
3: and she's written this play and it's been worked on indeed and that uh, now um it's funded and it's going on in contact theatre uh in october 14th into the 28th of october
0: oh that's amazing um, so you'll actually be performing at the contact theatre then at that time
3: well, yeah, no um, oh. so it's going to cast the cast of seven but six us are um, without wanting to give the game away like too much, six of us so were engaged last week for a week's work to do uh, some pre-records. Ah, uh,
1: yeah, so, we,
3: so the main, the main character is, um, uh, is a character called Nadia, who is a footballer for the Lionesses. Uh, and it's Seth, it's Seth uh, um, after... Uh, An event, and that there are a number of characters that come into Nadia's life, uh, which I was playing uh, one of them. Um, And so, yeah, so you'll hear my voice um, in the theatre live, uh, but you won't see me because it's all pre
1: recorded.
0: perry there with not like the movies we are currently in conversation with the wonderful kenton craig who is hoping to get into the movies so here's some more of our chat I love that. I, I think that's that, that's brilliant, you know. And and that's actually one of the ways that you're kind of directing your your work now, isn't it, towards being what you would describe as as a voice actor as well. I mean, d- does that open the the spectrum of, of roles? Do you think? Because I, I do enjoy it when you get these bits in in plays where it's just like someone on the phone or or something like that. It's it's a really useful kind of like little technique. But but is that something that you You'd like to do more of because maybe it blurs the lines on on your age and stuff as well
3: yeah sure um so i i never even knew what voice acting was but that's the benefit of going to drama school isn't it they teach yeah. you all the, all the <laughs> stuff and you suddenly discover ah voice actor voiceover is actually quite a big part of the acting world um in fact someone told me that there are more there is more acting hours uh therefore work for actors in video games than there are in any other part of the acting industry um oh so, wow you know, i didn't realize yeah,
0: that learn something different new every day and are you someone that's into video games? i mean you were actually a live player in video game in a sense being in the police and in the military you can't get more video game-esque in the real world than those professions can you the no, chasing been... and the criminals
3: and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, um Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not a a gamer, but uh, by all accounts, from what I understand, it is a huge industry, Mm. um, and every character that you see now, I mean, I I really, I shouldn't say this, but I don't really know much about it um, Mm. from a video game perspective, but I have seen them, you know, and seen other people playing them, and they're like, they're like, tv and film quality um, yeah the storylines
0: are becoming more extensive in the past few years as well i think
3: that's it and uh, all of those characters are voiced by um, actors well they are at the moment and this is one of the reasons why you've got the strikes going on in america because of uh, artificial intelligence and and the threat that that has on the in the arts industry because um, i supposed to see it popping up on my social media feed, you know, would you like to create a video for your company using AI, you know, and so people can um, use AI now in place of real life people um, mm. for, for various things. And, I'm not. I'm not AI completely, and I think some massive benefits to be had with it if it's in certain circumstances. But AI threat level to certain things, and uh, the arts is one of them. Because, um, but as I understand it, you you could feed in uh, someone like John Wayne, a long lost um, famous actor.
0: Yeah. You
3: feed in all of his um films into a into a robot or into a, an artificial intelligence program and it could you know analyze it and then cre- recreate the tonality a new, maybe a brand new film right. tra- not just the, not just the voice but the actual actor himself that could create recreate john wayne on screen in a brand new film so what um the danger is with that, that of course is that you know there's less opportunity for real people to to act or to write and to create work. Mm. So that's part and parcel, I think, of why some of the strikes are going on in America, in the writing and the acting industry.
0: is is that yeah, one of your aspirations, though, Kenton, to kind of like get to Hollywood? Because you know, obviously, that they, they do love a British accent uh, uh, over there, and, and I think your name as well, Kenton, it lends itself to a kind of an, a, an American demographic in a sense. Is is that one of your um, ambitions?
3: Well, I'm waiting for Hollywood to call. So if you know anybody, knows that, <laughs> then uh, you know give them my number. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's, uh, it's, it would be, I mean, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, and I, and the thing I think is,
0: here. yeah, oh sorry, I mean, the, the thing is, it's not always that glamorous, is it? Because sometimes the Hollywood guys are coming here because you've got, like, such amazing architecture in, in Manchester, they're wanting to kind of, like, f- film here sometimes rather than, than you going over there, unfortunately. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's,
3: it's, of course, I think most actors like, older older, in mind that I had love to go over to America and to go to Hollywood or New York or wherever uh, to, to be in, involved in something over like there, TV and film, um, the likelihood is it's, it's probably not, not, not something that um, would easily come to me, I shouldn't imagine. You know, in a pragmatic sense, you have to think that let, let's not concentrate on trying to get to Hollywood because it's very unlikely to happen. So let's concentrate on, you know, the more real, the more realistic options of, of being in the northwest of England, you know, stuff locally. And, to, and there is a lot of stuff going on, um, sure. you know, in, in the UK, the, the film industry before Covid was thriving, and I think it's still in recovery. Um, but there are, you know, the th- things are, once the strikes are out the way, cause it, had, it has had an impact in the UK as well. Yeah. Um, once, once that is sorted out, as inevitably will be at some point, or I think things will pick back up and there's a, there's a massive industry in the UK, uh, in, in filmmaking, TV, drama. Um, and it can be tapped into by, I suppose the Americans can come over and do, as you say, they this. But Liverpool, I think, is one of, the, one of the most, uh, filmed locations in the world. Um, mm. because, because of the architecture there. So, there's, there's, there's fantastic opportunity for filmmakers and, uh, you know, because they they will obviously all, of course, employ local people as well um to do the to do the film making and uh that's really exciting and Not that yeah. a film maker, but if films are being made it maybe it gives me an opportunity if i can manage to get into something like that well,
1: i think uh, the creativity
0: possible. and technology has expanded so much that that was quite evident during the lockdown phase as well where people were creating series and stuff like that on on their iPhone and and all the rest of it. So things are really opening up. And and that was one of the things that um, intrigued me about what you you were saying. You you, you were talking uh, about the fact that people say that you have to create a lot of your your own work if if you want to... um, perform and, and that's kind of what's got you into the, the playwriting isn't it?
3: Yeah absolutely, we had, um, we had a little lesson, um, well not a little lesson, we had, we had a module with an actor called Carla Henry who's quite, um, quite a prestigious actor in her own right and she came in to, to teach us and uh, she she is really good friends with Martine Peake who oh, wow. I'm sure everybody will, yeah. will know um, and um, she she did a little video uh, of Maxine Feek um, talking to the students. I'm sure we weren't the only ones that it was designed for. It was designed for a drama students, and, uh, and I remember it. And that Maxine Feek saying, "You know, you have the only way you can succeed, really, because most people aren't verdict on a of <laughs> actual. The only way you can succeed is by creating your own work, and um, mm. so that." So, so it does get you thinking, right, how do I do that? And part of that is writing scripts. So it's a radio, theatre, uh, television or film, um, and if you can come up with something that's worth doing, you know, you can almost do it on a shoestring if you do it, do producing it yourself. Mm. Um, and you just have people create things on their iPhones, with, you know, that you can do all sorts with. Smartphone technology you nowadays, that is going on. Uh, if you've got a group of people that have just graduated from Dharma School, University or wherever, then... They want got to the portfolio,
0: I guess.
3: Exactly, you've got a cadre of people that are all interested and uh, hopefully up to doing stuff. And um, hence the reason why, we, you know, I got touch with you and we've, we've you know, we're going to hopefully perform some scripts that we've been writing uh, on your show at some point, and um, that's, that's going to be so really exciting. exciting,
0: yeah. And mm-hmm. and I i guess that you didn't realise that you'd end up doing so much writing when you first embarked on on a drama course. So so, so is that like a bit of a culture culture shock, or is, is it something that, that you're enjoying now?
3: Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't do enough of it uh, because everyday life gets in the way. I, I don't have enough money coming in from the sources to be able to say right I am, or I am going to spend all my time writing and that thing yeah um, but yes I, I do enjoy it It gives you if you it just comes at any time of the day I can't sit down at nine o'clock in the morning and write. I'm now going to write for two hours and then I'm going to have a cup of coffee and it is <laughs> it can be I uh, can have something just pop up in your mind and go oh right, I, I'm feeling like I could write something now and you'll sit down and um batch out a couple of hours and do it, you know, do a few themes of, of something. Um, and, I, and I do enjoy that, and I enjoy the research sort of phase of that as well, learning about different things and reading stories and stuff from that other people have, have happened to. Them. And part of it is experience of, of your own life and what you've, you've experienced yourself or your family that have experienced and trying to find... Ways of telling a story that um, might provoke uh, uh, some thoughts in in people. Yeah, well, that's the
0: best,
3: the most, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you ever managed to get it most, on stage or on the radio, then it's it's it feels great. Um, not that I have yet. I've got I've got the opportunity with you, hopefully, Ruth. To yeah. To put something out there, and that would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, I am looking forward to it, and I think that, you know, it's only going to be a a short time before people are seeing more of you. You're already got your foot in the door with a contact fader so, so you never know what's what's around the corner. We actually have a big performance space at the old library that we are part of so, so you never know at some point there may come a, an opportunity where you could liaise with the, the people that, that um, run the, the building and try and put on a little play there because it has been um, done at, at Christmas last year, they did a, like a little performance. So is that something that would interest you? Not, I'm not so much talking about um, our building but the idea of performing in alternative spaces to an actual theatre. I know that the theatre is everyone's dream but I do f- feel that um, Post um, lockdown, people are getting quite um, adventurous in, in different spaces as well with acting.
3: Yes, they are, and yes, to answer your question, it is something sort of interest because um, it, it get well. There's a few things there, isn't there? There's the taking people, taking a show or taking a, um, a story to be told to, to somewhere that is more accessible to. Parts of the community, perhaps, um, yeah. is, is, is one thing. Uh, it's a, also a technical challenge to put something on in a in a, a weird location. Mm. You, know, um, you might want to do some Shakespeare in a cave or yeah. you know, on, the top, on the top of a hill or I don't know, Blackpool seafront. Uh-huh. You know, it's got loads of, of seafront benches and stuff. You know, something like that. And, yeah. That, that, that is just a new way of well it's not a new way, it's been done forever, but it, it's definitely um, an
1: interesting
3: for to find yeah. uh, um, you know, plays or, or musicals or kinds of Uh it's it's good, but I think and it, it, it opens I think what it is is the accessibility because yeah theatre is this big or well, it's a theatre, well, there's a certain sort of way that you have to act, and there's a certain sort of person that might go to a the theatre or be comfortable going to the theatre. Yes.
0: And
3: actually, especially around the northwest of Manchester, we've got, you know, the country looks on us, don't they, invariably as, oh, you're from up the grim north and you're, <laughs> yes. you're working class. And, yeah, you are know, we're, we're uncoothed so and we haven't got any artistry about us, but that it can be further from the truth. Yes, yeah. There might, there might be a, a working class ethos uh, in cities city like Manchester uh, and the surrounds. Uh, but Craig, why, why can't somebody uh, go and see a piece of performance and enjoy it uh, and, and have some thoughts about what the story is? But, you know, of just course. because they don't feel comfortable walk, walking into the, the Palace Theatre or the Royal Exchange, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, production great is based on any, really, and if that helps, with, you know, people go and see theatre, that wouldn't ordinarily go to see it, then all the better. Well,
0: so. And increases your audience, you know, it, it creates conversations that may not have um, regularly be, been had and it's just exploring uh, storytelling in, in all its, its different um, formats. Um, I'm, I'm conscious of the time, I know that you, you've got to go, but before you do, do you want to quickly give us a, a little um, teaser of, of what your plays are, are going to be about that, that you, you're currently working on?
3: so i've uh you laugh Well, you might not laugh it might be quite um obvious really I've got such a wealth of experience from uh the police service that i've i've got a lot of material uh so for for what we're looking to do to do with you on your shows um uh, i've started writing what, what I'm calling it an episode one of a crime type drama and mm. um, basically basically set around the police station. Um, um, oh, the actual police
0: station? Okay.
3: Yeah, and um, it's, it, you know, there's, there's part of it is set in the police station, part of it's out outside of the police station, but inevitably it is uh, the start of the story um, around a few police officers and what they come into contact with, and um, that's that's what I'm working on at the moment. Uh, the other piece is a, a comedic piece that one of my friends is um, proper through writing. Um, about it's about every every person out there, I suppose it's it's a, it's a conversation that happens every day of the week. Um, somewhere, I'm sure. So it's it's a really unique piece. It's, I've read what he's done so far. Uh, I say he it's a, a bit of a combined effort between two of them. Um, the okay. young man and the young, young lady who work, worked on it together. So it, it, we we had a read through a couple of weeks ago, and we <laughs> were just about, <laughs> about to get you through there. You're laughing
0: yeah. already, that's a good sign. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would probably that's something that will uh, your listeners will enjoy. short.
0: Oh, and all the richer for all, all the different um, experiences and influences that, that have gone in, into the writing of that. Well, it, it's been great to speak to you, and I think that you're on to a winner um, going down the, the crime and police route because that's what half of what you'll see on national TV on a Sunday night's is about, isn't it? So it's, you're on to a winner yeah. already with, with that, definitely. Oh wonderful, it's been, been great to speak to you Kenton, look forward to um, seeing um, you and your team performing um, your, your plays live in the, in the studio in, in the future and I think that you've given people a lot of inspiration here about the fact that you're never too, it's never too late is it, to, to embark on something new when it comes to, to your creativity. Hey, Those
3: opportunities if they come way, I suppose isn't it, that's the message and uh, yeah, I, I... I don't set out to inspire anybody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If it it does, then, well, thank you for saying so And it's been really nice to speak to you. And thank you for inviting me
1: on. Tonight,
2: I'm going to have myself a real good time. I feel alive. the sky like a tiger defying the laws of